Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Jets podcast pre-review uh, show, excuse me, week 17, as the New York Jets get destroyed by the New England Patriots by a final of, I believe it was 38-3. to Either way, how you slice it, the New York Jets, they finished the 2018 season with a 4-12 and record and 1-5 in, in divisional play, along with Rick Lachlan. I'm Daniel Foyerson. Rick, there's really nothing much more to talk about uh, with this game because the truth of the matter is, is that we all knew what was going to happen when uh, the Jets were going to return from Foxborough over at the Razor at Gillette Stadium. Uh, Todd Bowles, which everyone was saying was going to get uh, fired at the end of this game, uh, when they did return to Florham Park, New Jersey, owner, acting owner, uh, Christopher Johnson, uh, he did the deed, he pulled the plug, and uh, Todd Bowles is now a former head coach of the New York Jets. And I think this was a foregone conclusion. I mean, ever since that loss against the Buffalo Bills, I know I, for one, felt like that was the opportunity for the Jets to move on from Todd Bowles, but Christopher Johnson evidently felt they didn't have an adequate replacement for him to carry on the rest of the season. You look at the rest of that staff, nobody had really any head coaching, assistant head coaching experience whatsoever. So I understand why the Jets let Todd Bowles play out the string. They now have this coaching search underway. But I I really thought the way things went in Foxborough, it was just such a fitting end to Todd Bowles' tenure as a head coach. I mean, the team came out flat. They came out with no energy. They got absolutely embarrassed. And late in this game in the fourth quarter, the Jets' second-to-last offensive possession of the game, I believe we're at the 40-42 yard line, and they're down 38-3, to and they're punting on fourth down. I mean, to me, that is that typifies exactly Todd Bowles' philosophy. It's He's not aggressive enough offensively. Here's a team he just wanted to get out of Foxborough, really get out of that situation, and he punts the ball back to the Patriots. And I thought – if that wasn't him waving the white flag on that game, then it was him waving the white flag on his tenure as the coach in New York because even on the Jets' final possession, they got the ball back again, and they fumbled to end the game. I believe it was Trenton Cannon fumbled to end the game. So by all accounts, the season was an absolute disaster. And, again, Jet fans got what they finally asked for, and that was for Todd Bowles to be handed his walking papers. And now the Jets can commence their new head coaching search. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, what you got to say is is this, is that, you know, in a certain way, you know, Todd Bowles was a respected man inside the Jets organization. He is a respected man inside, uh, you know, the NFL. He's a hardworking person. Uh, obviously, he's a better defensive coordinator than he is as a head coach. But you know what? You, you cannot say, and while fine, you know, Todd Bowles did not, do well as a head coach outside the 2015 season where the Jets went 10 and 6 should have been 11 and 5 but we already know the ending of that year but you know as good of a man as he is and I think we can at least you know hear what's been going on all over the NFL watching the NFL network you know he was a good man but the problem was was that he just was not a good head coach and you know it had to be done and all we can say to Todd Bowles is good luck in the rest of your NFL coaching career, and hopefully some team will pick him up as a defensive coordinator. And I think that's the only thing he can do is, you know, dial up defenses and just, 
you know, make sure that their defense, that the defense is strong enough to stop the offense. And look, you know, Todd Bowles as a human being, as a guy, he's as good as it comes. I mean, Christopher Johnson said this was one of the hardest decisions he had to make. And it wasn't really from a professional standpoint because it was clear Todd Bowles was not getting the job done on the field. The team, uh, 10 and 6, 5 and 11, 5 and 11, and then this season, 4 and 12. I mean, Todd Bowles had, had really survived four straight playoff list seasons, which is the longest in. Uh, in franchise history, but you know, he's not the only one to get the ax. Of course, Adam Gase, the Miami Dolphins head coach, Vance Joseph of the Denver Broncos, Dirk Cutter, Tampa Bay, Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati and Steve Wilkes in Arizona. Don't be surprised if a team takes another flyer on Todd Bowles because, you know, Todd Bowles in his final few weeks, he, he really said little to the media, but he made a couple of references about how these moves the Jets made during free agency some of the drafted players that they expected to play well were not living up to those expectations. And a lot of people took that as a shot at Mike McCagnan, who, frankly, I wrote an article earlier today on the Jets 247 sports page. I feel like Todd Bowles was the fall guy and Mike McCagnan somehow got pardoned. You know, in the midst of all this, a lot of the personnel issues the Jets had kind of was swept under the rug. And, and a lot of the issues were pointed at Todd Bowles when, you know, again, this is a roster he was given. So they were a flawed roster. They were a roster that was not expected to make the playoffs, but you wanted to see some improvement on that five and 11 record and some reason for optimism. And he wasn't able to do that. So I think that's part of the reason why he got fired. And I know we talked before the start of the show, Daniel, that it's a unique arrangement because, you know, when Woody Johnson was here, of course, now as the ambassador in the UN, under the Trump administration, he's been away from the team. Acting owner Christopher Johnson has stepped in. It, this, to me, it almost runs in the Johnson bloodlines that, you know, the Johnsons aren't football people. They they obviously are in the pharmaceutical industry. That's how they built their empire, Johnson & Johnson. That's how they're able to afford and own and purchase the Jets. And I think that they really should let the football people make the football decisions. And now that Christopher Johnson, he said during his press conference, he's going to have both Mike McCagnan, the acting GM, as well as the new head coach, report directly to him. They're not going to report to each other, as was the case, um, you know, with many NFL teams. And I don't know why Christopher Johnson thinks he's the foremost expert at NFL personnel decisions, at coaching decisions, when he has absolutely no football background. So I don't see this as an arrangement that's going to be conducive to success if they're going to hire the right guy the new head coach, whether it's Mike McCarthy, whoever it ends up being, you have to give him the trust and the autonomy to do his job and not to have to, quote-unquote, babysit him or run every decision by the acting owner that has absolutely no football acumen or experience at all. So for me, that was a major red flag when I heard him say that during the press conference. And I'm hoping that Christopher Johnson will at least realize that if he makes the proper hire and the guy that can lead this team, um, that he doesn't need anybody watching over his shoulder uh, after every move that he makes, that he can give him some space and some room to do his job effectively. And I agree with you, Rick. I think that's the number one issue here that the Jets are being plagued right now is from within friendly fire. Uh, you know, Christopher Johnson, you know, they are, you know, wonders in the pharmaceutical industry, obviously. Uh, not just, of course, you know, Band-Aids and, and other medical creations, you know, like o ointments or or creams, you know, stuff like that. But they also do household stuff as well. So, you know, once again, the Johnson family, they have to separate themselves by not putting their business acumen uh, running 
a you know a company that you know they've been so used to doing you can't do that while you own an NFL franchise or not so much an NFL franchise just a professional sports franchise because the idea is that you want to bring in people who have more knowledge than you do about running an NFL team and right now that is lacking with this New York Jets team because even though Leon Hess, uh, the owner, uh, the family, the Hess family of the of the Hess gasoline empire, you know, they he Leon Hess allowed his football people to run the Jets like a football team. I think this is the one mistake that the Johnson family is doing, and that is they're running the Jets like it's a regular business, and technically, in some ways, it is, but it's not the way that the Johnson family are running an NFL business because it's a different thing and they need to understand. And I think he's going to have to probably ask questions from within the league, the other owners of the NFL to say, you know, should I run this like a regular business? And they would probably tell you, no, don't, don't do that. You have your own regular business, leave that alone and just, you know, let your football people run the football team. And I think right now, that is the major uh, Achilles heel that is plaguing this team. And this is much different from any other business because the NFL is a business, but it doesn't operate like a multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical company like Johnson & Johnson. You're not creating formulas or, or working on getting drugs to be FDA compliant. You're working with living, breathing individuals that are the lifeblood of the league. That's the players. And, you know, as a, as an administrator, as a uh, corporate executive, you can operate a business because you're, you're dealing with uh, non living uh, commodities, but here these are human beings. They have feelings, they have emotions. They are the lifeblood of, of the team and of the league. And when you don't have that experience dealing with them or knowing how to motivate those kind of players or knowing how to select the right kind of players, then you're not in a position to, be telling other football people what to do. I mean, I can't credit. I was listening on the drive over uh, before the show to Richard Neer on WFAN. He said the exact same thing. I mean, who does Christopher Johnson think he is to, I get that you're the owner. I get that you are going to direct the, the direction of the team, but who are you to say that you're the foremost expert on football decisions? I don't think he has the credentials or the, the qualifying uh, aspects to be able to do that. So I would hope that again, Christopher Johnson, we saw a lot of this from Woody Johnson. We thought that Woody Johnson being away from the team would be the best thing to happen to the New York Jets because he would kind of allow the football people to make the football moves, and he would manage it from afar, of course, with Christopher Johnson. And now you have the acting owner wedging himself between the general manager and the head coach. Uh, again, I just don't see that as a healthy working relationship environment. I don't see it as a trusting environment. I see it as an owner that lacks trust uh, in his in his staff to make the proper decisions, and he wants to be involved and micromanage every one of those. And to me, that is not a long-term recipe for success. So I would only hope that Christopher Johnson, maybe on the larger global issues of the team, will get involved. But on the day-to-day operations, uh, I think every Jeff fan would agree, just please let the football people do their job and you act as the owner and just act accordingly. No, I agree. And look, I mean, let me just say this, and I'm not trying to say I'm in – uh, I'm on Christopher Johnson's side, but I can understand why he's doing this. Yes, the, 
him and his family and his brother Woody, obviously, they're running this football team. They're running the this NFL team, and they are trying to run it the way they see fit. And we can understand that in some aspects, but the truth of the matter is this. Every Jeff fan is screaming and yelling, let go. Take your hands off the reins and let your NFL people do this. Let your NFL people run this NFL team, and then everything will come together. And here's the other thing too. And I understand where there's a lot of people that are yelling and screaming. A lot of Jeff fans are yelling and screaming. Uh, Mike McCagnan should have been fired as uh, excuse me. <coughs> Sorry about that. Every every Jeff fan is yelling and screaming that Mike McCagnan should have been sent out the door as well. Should have been sent out the door as well. And while that may be true, and I can understand why the thinking is because, simply put, if the coach goes, well, then the general manager has to go. And, of course, the way that both men were hired, they, you know, Mike McCagnin was hired first, but he wasn't allowed to hire his own head coach. Okay? Todd Bowles was hired through a separate process by not just by Robert Woody Johnson, but by uh, the NFL people like Charlie Castlery and uh, Ron Wolf. Uh, you know, as a separate uh, hiring process. Here, while I understand and, and I agree in some ways, and I'll disagree in some ways too, Mike McCagnin, should he have been fired? He probably should have been. But the truth is, is this. He's never been given the opportunity to hire his own head coach. So in some ways, yes, he's made some positives and some negatives signing, drafting players. But he's never hired his own head coach. And I think that's going to be something where I believe McCagnin at least deserves an opportunity to hire his own head coach. That's what I see. And I, Daniel, I truly feel this way. If Sam Darnold, and, you know, this was up to Todd Bowles and his staff, if Sam Darnold didn't start this season and they went with Josh McCown and let's say they held on to Teddy Bridgewater and they let them do battle and let Darnold sit on the sidelines for a year – if the, the season played out exactly how it did, 4-12, and 12, no signs of improvement, disciplinary issues, penalties all over the place, uh, not, not being motivated to play, I really feel like both Mike McCagnin and Todd Bowles would have been shown the door because really the only thing that got Mike McCagnin another lease on life, and I feel like he's going to have a short leash because he has $100 million in money to spend during free agency. He has a top three draft pick. He already selected a franchise quarterback. If he can't put this all together – and get this thing right and get it moving in the right direction where this team has eight or more wins next year, uh, there's really no excuse for him to return as a general manager. That, that's at least my personal feelings on the issue. And the fact that he did draft Sam Darnold, and we saw flashes of brilliance, and we saw uh, a guy that could be and likely will be the franchise signal caller for the next 10-plus years, and at least McCagnin had the fourth the forethought to go ahead and trade up with the Colts, move up to get Sam Darnold, the number three overall position. And you throw in Henry Anderson in that equation. Who's been, I know he had a terrible penalty down inside the red zone where he nudged Tom Brady and they called a late hit. But I mean, by and large, he was one of the surprising great uh, standout players of the season. So you're able to land a player that caliber on the defensive line and then a franchise quarterback in the same draft. That should at least, I don't care if the Jets were winless this year, I think that at least bought Mike McCagnin one more year to prove his worth and to be able to redeem himself and get this team back on the right track. But I agree with you, Daniel. 
I think that, you know, uh, Todd Bowles, I think he, a lot of it was that he was the fall guy, that uh, he absorbed a lot of the blame. But I think that Christopher Johnson, the, you know, they have exit interviews. I'm sure he got a lot of input from Todd Bowles throughout the season. And I think Christopher Johnson now, some of his trust in Mike McCagnin is wavering because now he's going to kind of babysit McCagnin on some of these decisions because I think – Christopher Johnson, his heart of hearts, realizes that Todd Bowles did all he could with this roster. I don't think anybody expected the Jets to make the playoffs this year, but if they would have went no. six, seven, eight, or nine wins, then it, then it would have been a different story. But the fact that there was dysfunction, there was discord in the locker room, there were just reoccurring same uh, silly mistakes during games, he felt like the coaching wasn't uh, wasn't up to snuff. So for in my mind, I think Mike McCagnin – deserves another chance just for the sheer fact that he drafted Darnold that in that trade, he got a guy like Henry Anderson and you see if you can use that as a building block to the future, because if McCagnin swings and misses during free agency and the jets are finishing with four or five or even six wins this upcoming year, there, there is absolutely no reason why they should bring him back uh, for 2020. Now, let me just say this, and you're talking about um, a lot of issues going on. You know, Tremaine Johnson, I think Michael, Michael Cohen of 24-7 Sports for the Jets page wrote about how that contract has, has been an, an embarrassment, that he hasn't done his job. And, you know, I, I will say this. While we now found out the reason why he was not dressed and scratched for the last game in New England, he was late to a meeting. And after all the conversations they had with him and after all the talking they had to do, with Tremaine Johnson about, you know, don't run away from the media. We need you to talk to the media and all that stuff. This was kind of like the last straw. And I'm very happy that Tremaine Johnson went on Twitter to apologize to why he was scratched. And he says, I'm going to try my best never, ever to do it again. Let's see what happens in 2019. But still, though, um, I think it goes to show you that at least Tremaine Johnson understood what happened, why it happened, and, you know, why he had to pay the price for not playing in the final game of this regular season. And, you know, outside of that, it, it really was heartbreaking to see this Jets team not so much making the boneheaded plays like they've been doing all season long, but the truth of the matter is this, is that the New York Jets didn't show that they were ready to play, or if they did show they were ready to play, they might have quitted in the middle of the game. And we've seen this too many times with whether it's going back to Muhammad Wilkerson when he signs his big extension, you know, he him being late for meetings, just having a pattern of behavior where he was supposed to be the locker room leader. And look, if you sign a guy like Tremaine Johnson, the deal that Tremaine Johnson signed sixty plus million dollars over, uh, I believe it was five years. Uh, this is a guy that you're not just pl- you're not just paying him to be a cornerback. You're paying him to be a leader of the team. I mean, th- his deal was the second most lucrative, only to Kirk Cousins. So if that tells you how much how highly the Jets thought of him, how much they thought he could transform their secondary, I don't know what does. And for him as a team leader and a guy that is the really the the star point of that secondary ahead of Jamal Adams even, who is still on his rookie contract, for him to show up late to meetings, I don't care if it's a sub-500 season. I don't care if there's nothing on the line. This is week 17 in Foxborough where the Jets have really nothing but pride to play for. As a leader of the team, you have to show up and, and not just show up on time for meetings. You should be getting other players to get there early to meetings. So – 
uh, for me, it's just a disappointment from that perspective that, look, aside from what Tremaine Johnson does on the field, if he has a rough year, if he has a fantastic year, uh, the only thing that he can control is his dedication and, and his preparedness for being on time to meetings, being a leader and showing all those intangibles. And to me, and I know to Michael Cohen, I think to you as well, Daniel, he showed none of that throughout 2019. I, I don't know, again, whether that was a product of he just wasn't clicking with Todd Bowles and his staff, whether this was uh, a case in the Muhammad Wilkerson. You sign the big extension, you get your money, and you kind of just sit back and you exhale a little bit. and You don't put in the work that, that you should and the work that got you to the point where you are right now. And I hope that's not the case for Jermaine Johnson. He's still young enough where I think that he can turn things around and maybe a new regime and a head coach will give him a kick in the rear end to – push him in that direction but again if you're the Jets uh, that has to be and you know the Jets have had a whole host of disappointing free agent signings but for me this tops the list Tremaine Johnson if he doesn't uh, change course and get things back on track you know he's one of the most disappointing free agent uh, signings the Jets have had at least in my memory no I agree with you there Rick and he's gonna have to really be a lot better next year because he can't do this you can't do this when you're expected to be you know, part of that defense that is pretty damn good, but it's now it's looking like uh, average because you know, fine. Leonard Williams, you know, subpar year this year. Uh, you know, he's at least he pressured, but you know, he didn't really get a lot of sacks. I think like maybe two or three or something like that. But the point is, is that if you got this defense that's supposed to be the best in the league or one of the best in the league, if possible, and you're going to have these types of flatline games, you cannot go there as an NFL team and say we're one of the best defenses in the league when you're not, when you're not making the production. You're not producing the amount of sacks, tackles, picks, you know, turnovers. I mean, we know it's tough enough to get a turnover uh, in the NFL, but still, though, if you are not going to have the right players that are going to have the right frame of mind to go and attack the offense or those offenses, you're not going to have the season you should be having. And I agree with you. We weren't expecting to go to the playoffs this year. We were even thinking about the playoffs. What were we thinking about? Improvement. The record of wins as an improvement. The last two years, the Jets went 5-11 and after going 10-6 and in Todd Bowles' first year. And since then, it hasn't been what it should have been. And now, with this, you know, the way that they've been losing and, and you know, no adjustments, you know, uh, you're, you're trying to uh, protect uh, Sam Darnold. When you're playing him, when you shouldn't even protect the kid, the kid's ready to go, you know, you've got issues. You've got issues on your coaching staff, and you know what? I don't even expect to see Jeremy Bates remaining uh, this year. I expect the Jets to probably give him his walking papers, too, to say, you know, thanks for coming back to the NFL, but unfortunately, uh, you're not what we're looking for, and you got to get somebody else that's going to have enough chutzpah to get his players ready to go, and at the same time, a head coach that – when you are sensing something that needs to be changed, when you're sensing something that the other side is changing against you, you must make the adjustments to keep those leads intact. And look, again, I, there is plenty of blame to go around, but I truly felt from an offensive standpoint, and this wasn't Todd Bowles' forte. We knew that. We knew he was a defensive-minded coach, that he had to have an offensive coordinator that really handled that side of the ball and he oversaw the entire team. 
But Jeremy Bates, everything that Sam Darnold did this year, I mean, whether it was freelancing outside the pocket, he had some terrific throws on Sunday against the Patriots that really there's only a handful of quarterbacks in the league can make those type of plays. He had that 28-yard rush where everything broke down around him and he just took off and ran 28 yards up the field, which was the Jets' longest run on the day. A lot of the success the Jets have had offensively was not not uh, based on Jeremy Bates' play calling. I mean, the Jets, they said, went uh, – I, I forget what the stat was, but it was 20-plus games for opening drives without a touchdown. It was the longest streak in the league. And if there's ever a telltale sign of a coordinator, and the Patriots of all teams would always do this on the opening drive, they would always go down and get touchdowns or at the very least field goals. The fact that the Jets have such a long scoring drought on opening drives – not scoring any touchdowns, to me, that's coaching. I mean, a lot of coaches script the first 15 to 20 to 25 plays of the game, and if they have a good handle of what a defense is going to throw at them, they're going to dial up something that they're not expecting that's going to exploit some of the weaknesses on that defense. And the fact that Jeremy Bates, not once, not twice, but 20 different times, uh, and I know he was only here this year, but that, that trout goes back to even John Morton last year. But the fact is, you know, you can't get things right one out of every 10 times, at least get a touchdown. That, to me, is a major warning sign. So, you know, unfortunately, Bates is hiring. He, they moved on from John Morton. They went with Jeremy Bates, and things went from – mediocre at best to really bad. And that is a reflection on Todd Bowles. And unfortunately with a lot of these head coaches, you're only going to go as far as your assistant coaches can take you. And Jeremy Bates just showed capable quarterback coach. Maybe he is a quarterback guru as far as understanding the mechanics, but as far as a play caller, as far as game planning, as far as getting this team in positions to succeed offensively, I didn't see any of that from him. And I, again, I think he's going to, have a very difficult time finding any type of offensive coordinator job anywhere else. He's going to really have to work his way up, whether that's from a quarterback coach, whether it's a quality control coach, he's going to have to go back to the drawing board and try to get some more experience under his belt before he makes that jump to offensive coordinator. Cause just watching him so far this year, and I know he had a rookie quarterback and limited weapons and lots of injuries. Uh, he showed me that he's a very limited and not a very imaginative coordinator when he was dialing up the game plan. And that's the one thing we need, Rick. I think we need an offensive coordinator. Or if you're going to go offense to hire a head coach, then you got to make sure that you know he has the ability to get the best out of Sam Darnold. And sometimes I think Sam Darnold showed he can do it himself without the assistant, co- without the the, uh, the uh, offensive coordinator. And I'm not saying the Jets should do that for you know the remainder of his time in the NFL. You know, obviously it's only his first season so we don't have to worry about that right now but you know you know Sam Darnold needs some direction we know uh, to me he's a capable quarterback to me he is the franchise quarterback for the Jets to me that Sam Darnold I think he has already proven that he is ready for the NFL and he showed as best as he could what he was given and all you can say right now is this if you are getting a new head coach then you're going to have to let this head coach get get himself an offensive coordinator, because or if the head coach is an offensive coordinator, let him run the plays, because we need to find somebody that has some creativity and some chutzpah to go out there and to at least show everybody that you know what we have to make adjustments in this game because right now they're they're finding a way to come back against us. We're going to have to dedicate a whole show to going up and down this. I know you wrote a terrific article on the 247 Sports page 
uh, reviewing a lot of the top candidates that would be available for the Jets. And, of course, I listed off some of those firings that happened uh, today, of course, on Black Monday. And, you know, I really feel like this is uh, one of the most important coaching searches in Jets history because you finally have that centerpiece. You finally have that quarterback. And if you hire the wrong guy and if the Jets follow that same pattern, they they tend to always go with defensive-minded coaches, guys that were coordinators that don't have any proven head coaching experience, and they try to hire them with the hope that they can develop those leadership skills, with the hope that they can surround themselves with the proper staff. And more times than not, it fails than it succeeds. So yeah, I don't know what direction the Jets are going to go as far as the head coaching search. But my big thing is you do not want to waste the next three years or even four years of Sam Darnold's career when he could be, uh, you know, in the developmental stage trying to become a top quarterback. You don't want to waste this hire on a guy that's not going to put him in a position to succeed. So if the Jets get anything right, they have to hire an offensive-minded coach, a guy that's a quarterback guru and that has an offensive coordinator that is going to be the exact opposite of Jeremy Bates. As long as they do that, I think Jet fans are going to be very happy and, and kind of live with the results that follow because, again, this is a head coaching search that it's going to be it's going to be a very interesting time because there were about six or seven teams that already fired head coaches, so a lot of these top guys are going to be in high demand. And I don't know what direction the Jets are going to go. One of the names that interests me, I think Adam Gase, I mean, I really felt like in Miami with the situation he had with Ryan Tannehill, he had Brock Osweiler there as well. Uh, For that team in Miami, they played, I thought, as well as they possibly could and were on the border of the playoffs. And Adam Gase did as much as he could with the little talent that was around him. He could be a guy and a name that the Jets at least have to bring in-house and see what he has to offer. Because I'm intrigued by him and a couple other candidates, but – We'll have to, that's another discussion for another day that we'll have to get into on a future podcast. Absolutely. And hopefully we'll get one done real quick. But as we uh, say goodbye, uh, first things first, we want to wish every New York Jets fan a very happy new year. As 2018, it'll be uh, gone after midnight and 2019 will come into play. Let me just say that Rick Lachlan, Michael Cohen, myself, Daniel Feuerstein, Very happy to be a part of 24-7 Sports once again, and we're very happy to just give you guys the best Jets coverage that you've been looking for, and uh, we appreciate your time not only listening to this podcast, but reading our articles and the rest of the 24-7 Sports NFL uh, family. So as we say goodbye to 2018, we'll get ready for 2019. But once again, for the final time in 2018, the New York Jets – in Week 17, fell to the New England Patriots by a final of 38-3, to and they finish off the season with a 4-12 and record, going 1-5 within the, the division. Join us next time for our next podcast uh, during this time where the NFL playoffs are going on, and uh, we will review some of these uh, things that need to be discussed and talking about the coaching search for 2019 season. For Rick Lachlan. I'm Daniel Foyerstein. This has been the Jets Podcast Review Show on 247sports.com through blogtalkradio.com. We'll keep you aware of future podcasts. Thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it. Have a good evening. And once again, have a happy new year, everybody. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye for now.